Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Honored with William McCarthy, live from Red Hook, Brooklyn. How are we all doing out there? It is sunny, it's crispy, it's nice. And this February is going. It's going away. So here I am. I'm down in the basement of my house, which I've spent the last two weeks building into a studio. Now, is that a recording studio? What are you doing, Bill? Truth is, man, actually, it's like, it's a uh, multi-purpose dungeon den of, for me to do graphic design and films and filming and editing. And it was uh, the music that you just heard I recorded last weekend. And it is inspired by my recent travels of which my pigment of my skin is still tan-ish from Mexico. This was a transformative experience to me and I have a lot to talk about today. Firstly, I think we're gonna get through this winter without snow, is it me? It really looks springtime-ish. Um, about this time last year, I was having a think, having a, having a real think about everything and I was thinking, God, man, I want my motorcycle, which is, it's in California. Like, maybe I should ride it across America? Maybe I should ride it across America? And that's exactly what I did. Um, I went to the American Southwest. I went through, God, I went through everything. It was, it was a pretty crazy experience. I did a short, uh, short story piece going through uh, the United States via motorcycle for my uh, Patreon community, my onward community, and um, it was fascinating, but I'm getting a lot of, I'm having a lot of kind of flashbacks, because it was exactly this time of year, I was starting to put it together in my mind, okay, I think I'm going to uh, get on that thing, oddly, not a drop of rain, I actually went in March, not a drop of rain, uh, I did get my ass kicked, so in March, in, in the United States, on a motorcycle, not quite spring. Where do you think was the where do you think the place was that beat me up the most? Arizona. Arizona crushed me. I couldn't believe it. It was like, what is going on? Crazy uh, wind whipping around, and I was writing stories about um, about the border patrol in America and what goes on on the border. And you know, I got something to say on the subject of Mexico. You know, going down there, and I spent nearly a month, and I traveled around a little bit, and I stayed at my friend Jeff Tochi's place, and I did a lot of woodworking and writing and thinking, and really got myself aligned. But when you see how vibrant this country is and what it has to offer, um, it's very shocking to me that on Netflix I see again and again and again, Narcos, Mexico. It's like enough with the narcos shit, man. Can we change the narrative here a little bit? Phenomenal country, beautiful people, overflowing with color, texture, care, warmth, selflessness, earnestness. And yet we put them in Cessna planes dropping off packages in the Caribbean, dumping drugs in our country, feeding a paranoia coming by way of uh, 
mainstream platform called Netflix, and it's just garbage. It, it's it's ridiculous. Anyways, so my downstairs originally was supposed to be a songwriting place. Then I realized that my upstairs neighbor Roberta probably would like probably just <laughs> probably drive the lady crazy if I, <laughs> if I keep playing down here. So, but any songwriter will tell you. I have learned over the years how to uh, play very quietly, and I can do it when I have to. But I came down here, and another thing is, is it's cold. It's not insulated down here, so I didn't want to spend a lot of time. And um, I would come down here. Uh, we had a reunion with Augustine's and my first band, Pela. We had like a, an, uh, we, we called it Friendsgiving. We brought Panos down from New Haven, and Tommy came from Connecticut and Eric from Brooklyn and Rob from Queens. We all got together here and it was great for that, but I wasn't really using it. And to be honest, when I walked in this place, it had like holes in the ceiling. It had like odd splatter stuff on the wall. I don't know if it was a glue or something. And the floors were coming up and I was looking at this place. I'm like, well, of course, it's like a paradise. I've never had a basement before. And so I came down here. It smelled like water damage because of Hurricane Sandy. Hurricane Sandy came through here it ripped my neighborhood apart I live near the water I live two blocks from the water and I can hear seagulls in the morning and you could smell what what kind of damage it, it wasn't on the scale of Hurricane Katrina but it, it certainly it certainly wreaked havoc on this place so I walked in here water damage whatever I put some work into it. I thought it would be like a guest bedroom type of thing because I have tons of traveling friends. And ultimately, I just started thinking like, man, going into my second record, I did some writing down here and I did some thinking down here, but ultimately too cold and funky and musky and dark, no windows. Then I got to thinking. When I was in Mexico, I got really into photography again. And I started editing photos. So this is my new revamped podcast and what you see on the graphic design is it's from me i designed it i came up with it the photos are mine i took them the intro music is mine i recorded it and i'm 100 diy alternative experimental mc here cracking away so what else is going on uh Lots of good news, man. There, there's so much. Well, firstly, I got to say, it's not something I want to talk about, so why not talk to the public about it? <laughs> I have lost... I've lost some weight over here. I've lost 30 pounds. In England, Britain, I think they would call that two stone. It's really crazy to think that when you see medium-sized dogs, they're 30 pounds. I have lost that off my body. Can I tell... Can I feel it? I don't know. I don't know. I definitely... The gift of losing a couple pounds, or two stone, uh, or 30 pounds, is that you get to start wearing your clo your clothes again that you haven't been able to wear. And it's so funny. When you put on weight, like we all will, and we all have, and we all do, you start putting it on, and you're just like, you don't get it. Because you can't, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I don't look at it. I look at my face like, all right, uh, all right, no uh, pimple up, got to shave. Oh, God, long eyebrow hair, uh, um, <laughs> which has been exacerbated by having to wear glasses the last few years, reading glasses. Anyways, 
I didn't realize what was going on. As soon as my band ended, I went off into solo life and did, like I two hours of cardio five days a week. I mean, wearing denim, <laughs> doing cardio and denim with a vodka in your hand. That that would that would constitute my cardio for the last I don't know decade. And when that stopped, my body was like, "All right, asshole, enough kebabs after midnight. You're you're a dick, and now you're gonna pay for it." So life just started throwing it at me. And I didn't even know it. I just thought my clothes were shrinking. I'm like, God, I really got to start. Like, I really did. Like, I went into the, the laundry mat. I'm like, listen, like, these clothes are shrinking. Uh, I don't know. We got to use cold water. And I started doing it. I did start noticing some jackets felt a little funny. Then I started seeing it a little bit. And I was like, oh, dear. Okay. Stupidly, for my new record, I did all this um, photos in New Orleans. You know, it was a brilliant idea trying to inject color and texture into my life. But, you know, how could I know I was at the heaviest I'd ever been in my life? So, if you want to know the William McCarthy, uh, your old friend Bill, what his diet plan is, is basically just nothing after six. And I tried the intermittent fasting thing, AKA IF. The IF thing, it's been great. It's it basically you don't eat till noon and you stop eating at six, which is fantastic. And all I think diets really do is just try to like, they just try to curb. I think they just offer structure and curb the kind of the bad moves. Now, yesterday I had to go to the city for something. I was in Manhattan and I went to um, Penn Station. Penn Station is a glorious thing. It's something akin to like what you would see in Europe or, or London. Giant pillars, pigeons flying out of it. Hustle, bustle, street performers, people selling, you know, falafels, whatever. You get down in there, and I was like, wow, look at this temptation. Now, I have been in the bunker in my little studio for two weeks straight, and I haven't been out. And I, woof, there was like pizza, bagels, um, wraps. All that commuter food, you know what I mean? Dunkin' Donuts, shitty coffee on the go, Starbucks. Oddly, I saw a Starbucks store, walked in there to get a coffee, and they're like, hi, sir, I'm so sorry. This is a whatever, the first of its kind Starbucks that has no money. It's a no money, like, only card. So basically what you do when you have an app, and I am not plugging them, Jesus fucking Christ, but you have an app, which, I mean, not, you know, not mad at that. It's kind of smart. You have an app, you say, hi, Bill McCarthy, 12 o'clock, large, dark roast, splash of cream. Boom, you go there, and it's wait, literally, it's waiting for you. There's just like a girl in like a Starbucks apron, just hi, and she's just handing it off like she's handing waters to marathon runners. Are you kidding me? Anyways. So yeah, I was pretty blown away by all the uh, temptation out there, and I quickly made it back to my monk den, where I'm monking, I'm monking hard. I'm the monk monkey. Um, so yeah, another thing I realized, in case you're curious, you guys probably tuned in this thinking we're going to talk about music and art, of which we will. But I, I have, I've always, through my chubbing, my chub, my chub years, I always thought, you know, God, I wish I could just eat like once upon a time I went to Australia like how Australians that I met ate they were always like standing around like a barbecue people in flip-flops 
just kind of picking around. Maybe have a, a paper plate, but just kind of socially got some reggae on, you know, and you're, it, you're, um, sorry, clean that off there. Um, and you're eating standing up and I started doing it and I love it. Eating standing up for me is great. Now, I know that is like completely the antithesis of like Southern European life. I love Italy. I love Greece and Spain and, and Portugal. And I love, I love, I love when people sit down and whine. And I know they would probably like fall out of their chair. Like, what, Billy, please, you're being crazy. But it's true. Eating standing up is very much more like beach style. And I was just in Mexico in the sun seeing all these like svelte dudes like surfing and tearing up waves and like nine-year-olds carving up waves surfing. And like, I'm sitting there looking like, I don't know, like Vince Vaughn. You don't want to be Vince Vaughn. No one wants to be Vince Vaughn. Um, so basically I got it together. That, okay, okay, sorry. It's a, a, important to note that I'm not putting, I'm not denigrating Vince Vaughn or Alec Baldwin or modern day Val Kilmer. But men don't age that good, do they? I mean, some of them do. Yes, there's Brad Pitt. We, yay, yay. Ra, 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 Brad Pitt. What about the Vince Vaughns? Huh? What about the kid Sean Astin? I used to have a Teen Beat subscription when I was 11. He was all over that shit. Now look at him. Looks like he's checking IDs down the fucking... <laughs> Bowling alley. That's fucked up, man. Nah, <laughs> I don't need to put people down to prop myself up. <laughs> but men don't age well, man, and it's real. And so I started eating standing up, sort of envisioning that I was in California or in Australia, and it really, it really worked, man. So the appetite's down. Also, I know your first question is, what about drinking? Can we go out and have drinks? Because you, you must remember to live. Now, when I'm overseas, like in Italy, you're like, in Croatia, over on that side of the pond, I definitely like a Sambuca. Do I drink it in America? Absolutely not. Isn't that funny? Does anybody else have stuff like that? That you only eat when you're in that region, and then you come home, and you're like, what the hell was I thinking? Um, yeah, so Sambuca's one of them. Now, I have narrowed down my drinking since I got some really nice mezcal and brought it back. Um, I've really got it down to just one shot. I would say McCarthy diet, don't eat after six, hard day's work, sit down, fill up a nice shot of the strongest liquor you can and sip it. Just chill. So that's it, man. I keep the spirits light, you know, a little mezcal, maybe a little vodka. Um, and I walk everywhere. So that's another thing that didn't help, my motorcycle, of which I'm probably going to go get soon and bring it back to New York somehow. Um, but yeah, the, the bike, <laughs> it's kind of like a Segway, like when those weird futuristic weird people going down, you know, down Madison Avenue in, in New York City looking like fucking Tron. So it's sort of like that, like, shit, I got to run an errand. And to be honest with you, man, like going a mile, like 1.2 miles in New York City is can be about $20 in a cab. So, you know, with the weather and stuff, it happens. But I'm happy to say I've lost 30 pounds. All right. So let's talk about the last podcast and my adventure responding to it when we come back after a short break.
and we're back. Okay, so last week I wrote a, uh, a, a creative writing piece for my Patreon, and I also uh, and I also discussed race, race in America. Ooh, not the nicest topic, and I feel like it's a wound that is very is very slow to heal in this country, and it will probably never ever be completely healed. I know that Europe. I know Australia, South Africa, Germany, Britain, France, or so. I mean, everybody goes through it. It's just been inflamed with our president's rhetoric, right? So in my neighborhood, Van Brunt is the main drag. And on, main, on, on, on the main drag of Van Brunt, um, it's a dividing line. It's a dividing line, and it's... It's something that divides, I hate to say it, black people from white people. There might be some Puerto Rican people, but it's generally people of color. And what this was uh, long, a long, long time ago um, was actually a, it was, sorry, it was a Jewish neighborhood. It was Norwegian at one point and then very strongly Irish and then Italian. But at some point, I think it was in the 40s or 50s from, from reading about it, the projects got built and uh, New York City erected large projects. I think we found like largely that they don't entirely work, um, but you know, it is what it is. But what you got is you've got an entire community of people like living in these large high rises and they do this in their, you know, they're all people in poverty, straight up. And they, they do this interesting thing where I guess they voted to have lights because crime was happening in the darkness and at night um, they can be quite dangerous. I might have mentioned in my last podcast that there was a girl named Tatiana that was found, I think two weeks ago, um, probably about three blocks from my house, dead. Um, somebody opened a car door and just left her on the street. And the reason why this is all coming up for me is because our local grocery store, Fairway, um, back when I started out in this neighborhood 19 years ago with Eric, oddly, we had a um, we had a studio with the band The National, and they had put us out, put our music out on their label, and they were kind enough to share a studio with us. And I don't know how they found it, but um, a, a friend of ours named Jeff Mann was running it. His father's a famous jazz musician named Herbie Mann. So we were in some great company of some great creatives, but the neighborhood was really interesting in that it was just desolate. Wild animals like possums and wild packs of dogs and stuff. So like not that many people were out here. And what happened is when they built freeways, I believe in the 40s and 50s, Robert Moses was his name, this developer. Um, they basically, they they pinched off from entire neighborhoods. So when the, the, the um, there wasn't a train in this neighborhood and when they put the uh, freeway through it, it just closed it off and it slowly began dying. So anyways, these large projects were erected. These, these I guess in, in England they'd be, or Britain, they'd be called uh, council estates. And they're really scary. They're brick colored. Um, like I said, there was a girl found dead. And at some point, you know, they've got these they put on these big bright spotlights and you just walk by there and you're just thinking like, man, it's, it's so easy to think like, why don't you get out of there? But people can't, you know, there's actually, there's joy and camaraderie 
you know, they're not kennels. Like, people live there. There's babies, there's old people, there's music, there's Sunday mornings, there's birthdays. But they live there. And, and essentially, like, for many, many reasons, they economically are quarantined. Not a lot of education, um, social problems, etc. So there's this grocery store called Fairway, and it's got, I would say, 200 employees, and they employ a lot of the people from the projects. And the, the, the grocery store fairway is closing. And my heart kind of breaks. And, you know, at one point in my life when I was a kid growing up, I was, I was, um, I was on the other side of the line. I was in poverty and, 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 uh, and in, in the hands of the state and um, on welfare and foster care and stuff. So I understand, I understand it and how binding it is and and camaraderie and your loyalty to your family and your community. So I see this community struggling right now and it, it bothers me. So I wrote this story about it and I hate talking about race because it's it's awful. It just doesn't feel good. It's so inflamed and it but some woman said, you know, you know, I hate I hate you white motherfuckers. This woman yelled at me on the train of black lady. So um it bothered me, man, and I went home and I, I kind of sat and thought about it and talked about it a bit with some friends, and I just wasn't okay with it. So I decided, you know what? African American people don't really come on this side of the tracks, on this side of the, the Van Brunt, and white people sure as hell ain't going over the projects. And you know what? I'm doing it. I'm going to the projects, man. I need a haircut. What would happen if I walked into a New York City, Brooklyn, like non-gentrified, real deal, Brooklyn, black, tough barbershop? And here's my story. Basically, I roll up to this place. It's near a place simply called Fried Chicken. And... You know, a lot of poor neighborhoods in America have this, basically fried food spots, um, usually Chinese food or chicken. And it, so there's like an aroma of fried food wafting. There's bulletproof glass in front of the cashier. Um, and I went in there and I opened the door and I walked in and it's all African-American men, no women. And literally the first thing I saw was people drinking and they would they would they had alcohol in a bag and they're pouring it into like plastic cups and they're all like standing around i walk in there and i sat down and if this sounds trite or like super gringo or posh or whatever please don't take it that way this is me trying to have add some balance in my life because i feel terrible about what's happened in this neighborhood and like i want to not be on the staying on my side of the tracks. I don't even want there to be tracks. I want us to cross over and, and, and mix with each other and not let this, this incendiary, inflamed, crappy rhetoric that's all over the internet like to get into us, inside of us. So I want to do my bit, so I walk in. Everyone's in parkas, winter, people wearing big fur, hoods gloves and they're drinking and the first thing the first thing I do is sit down and I noticed eruptions of laughter I look up there's a there's a TV set with Drake playing 
And I'm like, oh my God, this is so crazy. This is four blocks from my house. And it's like I'm traveling in a different culture. Eruptions of laughter, people shaking hands. Gentleman walks in with the baseball hat, sits down, holding a little boy, little boy sleeping with his head, his nose nestled in his hooded sweatshirt. Another thing I noticed is that the two gentlemen that were working appeared to be Russian or Albanian, and I'll get to them later. But I looked around and not much on the walls. The coat rack was filled with coats, people drinking, and then people started smoking cigarettes. And I'm like, wow, I haven't seen people smoke in a barbershop probably since I was seven. And it felt like I was in Serbia or I was somewhere like in overseas in some gritty place. It was wonderful. Um, no, all cash, no credit card machine. And I just started feeling the energy of the place throbbing. People dancing, people calling each other brother, brother, my man, giving each other hugs and a dap, a handshake. All right, man, stay up. Good luck. See you later. All right. Say hi to your mom, whatever. And I just felt this like joy. And then I sat down in the chair and the gentleman that um, was cutting my hair, his name was Nirlu. Sounds crazy. Man was from Uzbekistan. Not even a man. I would say he was 33. His face looked tired. And I sat down and I actually wondered, when's the last time this guy cut white people's hair? Like... This guy's doing so many tape-ups and fades, cutting people's froze, cutting around braids, straightening hair, doing all this crazy stuff. Like, can he do this? I was having this really interesting experience sitting there. So I started talking to Nirlu. He tells me he's from Uzbekistan and his whole family came and that he needed to learn how to do something. So he, he went into barber training we start talking about uzbekistan and whenever people tell me something like that i immediately tell them oh i want to go there tell me more about it he went on to tell me that they don't in his town they don't use electric shavers on people's hair it's all scissors and i sat there as his Hands were going round and round, his attention to detail just clipping away, clipping away, clipping away. I thought about a haircut without an electric shaver, how earthy that is, how humble that is. We started talking and I asked him if he was religious and he said that he was a Muslim. So we started uh, chatting about that and then he started talking about being American. I will never be really American, he said. Maybe it would be nice, but I will never be American. I want to be American, but people don't look at me as American. I thought, wow, wow. Well, that was my story of Nirlu and he spent an hour on my hair, cutting it and cutting it. And I felt like he maybe didn't have anybody to talk to. And then he asked me directly, what about this Trump? And I said, yeah, man, tell me about it. Tell me about it, Nirlu. It's not nice. 
And he said, like, what are we going to do? I don't know why somebody doesn't shoot this guy. And I was, I was laughing, like, c c probably wildly inappropriate in American terms, but completely understandable, maybe in Uzbekistan. Just, you know, assassination chat at the barbershop, which, hey, it's not, it's not like no one was thinking it. Anyways, he said something amazing. He's like, a bullet is too good for this guy. You'll stab him with a knife. That is how a man kills him. <laughs> It's like, damn near, Lou. You're a tough dude, man. When a when a bullet is too good for somebody, you know that dude is a douche nozzle. So, near Lou has spoken. There will be no assassination attempts uh, coming from me, but I agree. Uh, you know, not the nicest presence in the world. Well, going to go ahead and wrap this podcast up this is my new revamped podcast i got a new mic new compressor new recording interface new music i've got an album i've got videos i am directing a video right now i have a camera i am editing i am learning the hell that is adobe premiere and final cut pro and pro tools i'm learning audio boom mics hdmi to mini HDMI cable, USB 3. I'm learning about MacBooks. I'm learning about... Uh, it's brutal, man. I don't know if anybody... I just not a real right-brained cat. I'm a feel guy. I'm a visual person. I'm a visual learner. But man, I'm getting put through my paces. I, I, I call it monk life because I am not socializing. I wake up very early. I'm down here by myself and I'm just really in that phase. You know when you have to read the instructions for something? Like the kind of furrowed brow and the kind of put the back of your finger up towards your underside of your nose and between your lip and your nose and hmm, mm-hmm, hmm, got it, mm-hmm. Let me futz with this, tinker, 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 fail. So I was up last night, and I'm doing a lot of graphic design, of which you could probably see on um, on my uh, on my artwork. So, artwork by me, script, story, tone, recording, technical, editing by me. I'm loving it, man. You know why? Because in this 2020 transformation year, coming out of my cocoon here, I'm making gains, losing lbs, aka pounds mentally healthy and i'm getting ready for the year ahead of me playing live music now i want to say one last thing to creatives out there if any of you do more uh, multiple things uh multifaceted or you you do visual art you whatever you're a choreographer and you sing songs or shows you perform or whatever this is something that i'm learning don't be afraid to put one of them down like for real, put put it down. I have put my guitar down. I brought it to Mexico and I didn't play it. I, I did woodworking the whole time. But it's okay to put it down. It's taken me this long, seven records. And I'm telling you, you gotta get to the place where you can trust yourself that when you pick it up, you're going to have the same mojo the same magic, the same intensity, the same passion, the same focus as you did before. 
it's okay to put it down and focus on another craft. I'm not saying walk away from being creative altogether, although sometimes people do it. But I am putting the guitar down so I can accommodate all this other stuff. And when I figure all this other stuff out, wow, those layovers when I'm on the road aren't going to be so bad. I could do some editing. I could do some filming. And I want to do a short story. Lastly, I opened up the phone lines, or actually the, the direct message lines, to the public. And I asked any of you if you had any questions for me for my podcast. And I have one. This is Ian in Brighton, UK. Okay. Billy, mate, when are you coming? If so, can you bring Eric? Okay. Hey, Ian. Thanks, man. Eric actually is playing a show tonight. Eric's been playing with Peter Cadis, the fellow that we recorded our last two records with. And him and Peter have been working together. Eric um, is a producer in his own right, and he assists in Peter's sessions. Eric's in a band called Philistines Jr. with Peter. Peter doesn't do it all the time, but they go on little tours, and Eric is performing tonight in Connecticut, Ian. So look online. Maybe there's some footage. He invited me to go, but I don't know if I could leave my monk life. I have a lot of work to do. Okay. This comes also from England. This is from Mary, oh, sorry, Scotland. Dear Billy, how are you? When is the album out and when can I see you play? Yep, thank you, Mary. Um, album, okay. I am doing a proper release. I have a, a, well, one, two, all right, three videos. And basically what I'm doing is I know it goes a little bit slower. And I saw this and I'm feeling a lot when I'm going through this editing, like, what, what seeing Todd go through that experience editing a film a lot of love and respect to him and Mary I know it's taken a little bit of time but the truth is is if I go out there without all my all my little components done my videos and my bio and the thing and the site the website and the printing of the merch and the, uh, the CDs and physical and people want vinyl and it goes on and on um, then I'm kind of just running out there and I learned a long time ago Mary that when I was in Pela, we realized very quickly that if no one wrote about it and no one took a picture, you never played in modern terms. Like, it's strange to say it, but there's no press anymore and blogs are dying and the world's changed. There's no, really no radio. Um, so it's important to have everything done beforehand because truth is people get busy artists get busy I've been very busy and when you get going you don't have time to pull over and edit this stuff and get photos and it's you got to do it right it just takes a little bit of time but it's true yeah we would go play a show we would drive out to like Missouri or something and like it would be a great night and just no one would film it or take any pictures and we didn't really have the social media that we do now so it was like did that happen whoa man <laughs> <laughs> did we did we play Missouri? Was it all a dream? All right, friends. I'm thinking of you. I'm down in my little monk bunk. <laughs> 30 pounds lighter. Too busy to take this Spanish course that I purchased from Duolingo. And I'm writing, recording music, and I'm doing my thing. Um... 
if you want to read my creative writing stuff, see my my online uh, stories, playlists, feel free to check out Patreon. It's a wonderful community of really supportive, creative, and loving folks that have basically become my friends. It's like being in a room in a room full of old friends. We all check out each other and keep in touch. And there's babies, there's old folks, there's kids, there's high schoolers. There's a lot of different folks. It's a nice, a really nice environment. I'm wishing you all the best. And thank you for checking in on my brand new podcast. You've been listening to Onward with William McCarthy live from Red Hook, Brooklyn, 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 Brooklyn.